This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you wear your cummerbund the wrong way? Do you show up late to a Zoom party? Do you not take the garbage all the way out? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonima. And we're in New York today, and let's just get right down to it. Let's get in it. So, Leah, what is this? <laughs> Please, for our audience, describe what are you looking at? I'm looking at a, a maroon cummerbund and necktie. Okay. So, first of all, the correct pronunciation is cummerbund. Oh, C-U-M-M-E-R-B-U-N-D. really? C-U-M-M-E-R-B-U-N-D. Yes, it's not cummerbund or cummerbund. It's cummerbund. Oh, wow. Say it with me. Cummerbund. Okay. (laughs) So a little history. Basically, we go back to Persia and the Persian Empire expanded all the way from Egypt to India. And the word in Persian, cummerbund, basically means belt. And the idea was just if you're wearing long flowing, you know, tunic-y fabric thing, having some fabric around your waist to sort of keep it all together made sense. You know, it was safer. You didn't have all this fabric, you know, loose and you're going to trip all over it. So there was a very practical reason to do that. And then also when you had all this fabric sort of gathered together and sort of pleated, it was actually a utility belt. Like you could put things in it. You could hide money or a dagger or Yadra figurines or whatever you had. You know, you could just use it for storage. So it was very handy. And it wasn't some sort of like aristocracy thing. It was sort of like everybody you know, did it. Now, if you were wealthy, you might have a nicer version of this, maybe a nicer, you know, fabric or a clasp or something, but sort of people of all classes sort of had this thing. And so it did make its way over to India, uh, which is, you know, right next door. And so the Indians were doing this too. So now cut to, and there's a little history in the middle, the British arrive in India. And so the British were used to wearing waistcoats when they were dressed formally. And a waistcoat is just what we would call a vest. But India is very hot. And so the idea that you are in this hot climate wearing a jacket and a vest, too much. And so the British looked around and were like, oh, well, 
what can we do about this? Because there's this idea in formal wear that you always want to cover up the aspects of the clothing that show function. That's why, like, on a tuxedo, there's satin-covered buttons, or you use cufflinks instead of regular buttons, or on the seam of your pants, like, you don't see the seam, it's covered with satin stripe. So there's this idea that in formal wear, you want to sort of cover up the working parts of the garment. And so British people wanted to cover up the working parts of the pants, the top of the pants, where, like, the zipper goes and all that. And instead of a waistcoat, they thought, ah, the cummerbund this could work for us. And so they sort of adopted this style. And then, of course, they brought it back to Europe with them. And some people in Europe thought it was a bit of a fad, maybe a bit vulgar, but uh, it did catch on. And then it did eventually make its way to the United States. I'm skipping over a lot of history here, but this is the general idea. So here's the question. Which way does it go? Do the pleats go up like it's a gutter catching rain? Or do the pleats go down like it's a roof of a house? Leah is contemplating. I mean, I used to have to wear them for catering jobs. Uh huh. So, which way should it go? You got two choices. I know, but 50, I 50 to shot. Make it, I'm going to have to guess down. Down. Okay. Yeah, this is incorrect. So, the pleats <laughs> should go up like it's a, a gutter catching rain. And the way you can think about it is uh, the original purpose of the cummerbund, mm. which was sort of like maybe to hold things, you know, utility belt. You know, today you could put your opera tickets in there. Now, there is an exception where you do wear them down. And that's if you are a U.S. Army officer wearing your formal dress. In the Army manual, the pleats do go down. But for all the other branches of the military, they go up. I was looking into why the army does this. Could not get to the bottom of that. So if there are any military people out there who know why the army pleats go down, I would really be interested in knowing how that happened because that does feel very unusual. I hate it when I guess wrong and it's only a (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. Now, Emily Post has also weighed in on the Uh. cover bun and she obviously agrees that the pleats should go up. But she says that doing the pleats up is a, quote, handy way to catch crumbs. (laughs) And so... Uh, I think the idea that this garment is specifically designed to catch crumbs, I mean, it does have the nickname crumb catcher, but the idea that we are actually wearing it to specifically catch crumbs, uh, this is, I believe, incorrect, and I will like to disagree with Emily Post on this one. Because, I mean, if the idea we wore clothing to catch crumbs, we would all have, like, the plastic cones that they put on dogs after surgery. Right. You know, like, like I, that's what we would do. I would need a full-body cummerbund. That's what I would need. <laughs> And then Amy Vanderbilt, she has some ideas for you in terms of what fabric it should be made out of. So she says that it should be, quote, a dressy fabric like silk, satin, grosgrain, or velvet, or something made in needlepoint by a female fan. Mm. So if you have any (laughs) female fans who are also good with needlepoint, having them make you a cummerbund out of needlepoint... That is also acceptable, according to Amy Vanderbilt and her Guide to Gracious Living. That seems problematic. (laughs) That feels like we may need to update that, but uh, here we are. So uh, that's the cummerbund. Uh, Lovely. And how do we say it? Cummerbund. (laughs) Cummerbund. 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 Very very nicely done. (laughs) And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Very deep. So we got a great question from you guys in the wilderness that I thought would be a very nice deep dive launching point. So here it is. Quote, 
I attended high school overseas, and my longtime friends are scattered all over the world. We successfully found a time to Zoom this weekend, but after about 40 minutes, we really had exhausted our conversation. We had about 12 people on the call. Then the organizer set up another right after so we could continue to talk. Now the group has decided to do this every weekend and keeps adding more people. I loved seeing these folks for a bit, but I don't think I can do it every weekend. And frankly, some of the old high school behaviors are emerging. How can I elegantly remove myself from the regular chat without offending anybody? We are all very close, but a lot of time has passed since high school. Help. So a lot of issues here. I think first, let's just talk about Zoom parties in general. Okay. And let's talk about like when you're the guest and when you're the host. And so I guess for the guest, first rule right up top applies to all parties, virtual, not virtual. You got to show up at the appropriate time. So for a Zoom party, the appropriate time is the time it starts. Right. There's no fashionably late for a Zoom party. You got to show up. I mean, you know me. I love an exception. Okay. What's your exception to this? My exception is, say you really want to do it, but you have, you know, multiple people in a house. Sometimes another person has to be on a thing or I got to do something with my kids. You say, I love to jump on. I'm going to be 20 minutes late or 10 minutes late. Is that okay with you if I'm, if I come at? Okay. If you have prior permission from the host. Yes. I will allow this. Great. But if the Zoom party was supposed to start at seven and you just decide that we're just not going to join until 720. No. No. But I think if you have to join at 720, you just ask in advance. Yes, if possible. And if you're late because uh, something comes up, you know, things come up. But then when you do join late, obviously, we will apologize profusely uh, and we will try and make amends if possible. Absolutely. So I guess then as a guest, I think your responsibility is to try and look engaged. Right. Nothing is worse than a Zoom guest that looks bored or is out of the frame or whatever. Or not looking up because you're typing on your phone the entire time. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't. Well, I mean, what's interesting is that the rules for Zoom parties and the rules for real life, kind of the same. Yeah, very like, similar. Like, if you're at a party and you're talking to people, you shouldn't have your phone out. You shouldn't be texting someone else while you're, like, at a cocktail party. Meeting. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing you should be doing. It just makes you so. look so disinterested. Yeah. And even if you are engaged, you should just pretend even further that you're enthusiastic about it. Because if you are looking at the camera, but you look bored, because that's just, like, maybe what you look like when you're listening, <laughs> you should make an effort to try and look a little more enthusiastic about what's happening. Because it is weird when you see a wall of people and you see people that are sort of, like, checked out. Uh, and you're like, oh, do they not want to be here? Right. And uh, then in that's, and it is distracting. Yeah. And, and as far as distraction goes, make sure you don't have your television on. Oh, is that a thing that happens? Yes, that it happened actually last week. There was a television uh -huh. on. And I would assume that at this point, a person realizes that if you have your television on, the audio is loud. Everybody is getting drawn into your square. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also... If you can see the television in the background, now I'm watching the TV behind you. Yeah. So that's not good. So just, Although I know, say like, people have televisions on? Like, this <laughs> is like some inconceivable thing. But yeah, I guess I can imagine Just, this, I yeah. mean, I try to clear out my little square. You know what I mean? Well, I think having a background that is not distracting, I think is nice. Like, how do you feel about all these people that have like the custom backgrounds? Well, slightly jealous because I can't do it on this Mac. Oh, is this like a software thing? Yeah, it's a software thing on certain oh. Macs. I tried to make like a wall hanging with party oh. ribbons on it for my Zoom call on Mother's Day. Oh, jaunty. Yeah, very jaunty. 
love that word. Okay. And also for, I did like a comedy fundraiser. So they all had the matching background and I couldn't have it. So I tried to make one. Okay. But in the beginning, when we all went inside and tried to get online, I think the backgrounds were... A fun and, oh, look at that person's a solar system. It's spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but now we're like, okay, we get it. Yeah, we got it now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I know I like a nice neutral background. And also you should be mindful. Like, is there dirty dishes or is there unmentionables that you don't remember not putting away? <laughs> right. Like, you just want to be mindful. You know, you are kind of in public. Do you have like so an open be... book uh, that says, I hate all these people? You know what I mean? Is there... Yeah, if your burn book is out and in frame, <laughs> uh, let's rethink that. Yeah. And then I think you also want to look your best if possible. I think uh, it's nice to not necessarily be in pajamas. Sort of dress up, I guess, would be nice. It shows respect to your host and it shows respect to your other guests to, you know, make a little bit of an effort. Yeah. We try that. I mean, I feel like in these times, making an effort just includes... Showing up. (laughs) Yeah, showing up. (laughs) Like I have a close friend Zoom group where we check in. You know, all of us can't do it all the time, but, you know, it's weekly. Some people come. And if you just get your clothes on and get to the computer, everybody is proud of you. But it's also a very small group of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So about that, our letter writer had 12 people or more on this call. This feels like too much. It's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Like, I think for me, I like four. I think four is nice. Six is probably my max. I mean, beyond that, it's unwieldy. Unwieldy. Beyond that, it needs to be a game that's organized. Yeah. Oh, so great. Let's talk about what you should do if you're the host. Mm. Nice segue. So I think if you are the host of a Zoom party, you definitely need to have some structure. Because a Zoom party, you do not have the mingling. We are missing the mingling, which would normally take place at a party in your home. I can't steal you away for a moment. Oh, let's get uh, new drinks in the kitchen. I can't join a different circle to chat with them. I can't excuse myself for a moment. Like, I can't do any of that. I am tethered to basically this one thing. So as the host, it's your job to make sure everybody feels included. And it's your job to sort of call on people. Like, oh, Leah, I heard you did this thing. Tell us about it. And so you have to actually go down the list and like call on everybody and give everybody their turn. Because I've noticed people don't necessarily want to jump in. Right. They, they feel like it's a little forward. People don't want to interrupt other people. Right. So as a host, you have to do that. You have to keep it moving. And then there needs to be a reason for this. I feel like something beyond just like we're catching up, especially if there's more than four people, like a game, PowerPoint presentations. I've heard some people are doing like, here's my favorite Wikipedia page. Let me tell you about it. Oh, really? Yeah. This would come in handy for my love of the transatlantic cables. But But that would be a good thing if you were sort of the host. And then if you're the host, you got to set a firm end time. Yeah, I love that. Right? Because I think the worst thing that is happening is these things don't really have a natural ending. Because there's not like a, oh, we've had a dinner party and now dessert's been served and now we're in the living room having coffee and now it's a natural time for us to all leave. Like we don't have those normal social milestones. And so it's harder for people to know like when is socially acceptable to leave the Zoom party I don't want to be at anymore. Right. Well, and it also, and not in a bad way, it wears a person out. You're trying to focus on all different people talking. You're trying to be very present. So I think everybody knows that it, you know, can sort of exhaust you emotionally. Yeah. So I think definitely as a host, having a hard out is very nice. If that's not provided, I think as a guest, I think you're just allowed to say like, hey, sorry to interrupt. 
So sorry, I got to slip out. So nice seeing everybody. Have a great evening. Yeah. And I think that's and a great thing to say to our letter writer, which is. Yes. You don't have to go every week. You just say, I had a great time. Thanks so much. Can't make it this week. Or if you only want to do it for 10, 15 minutes. I always like to say that up top. So I'm relaxed about knowing people I have to leave. I say, when I accept the invitation, I'll, I'll say, hey, I can only stay for 20 minutes, but I'd love to see everybody. Or you can just say, as you said earlier, on the call, I have to bounce out. It's been great to see everybody. Thanks so much. Yeah. And I think we don't give excuses, which are, I don't care for this anymore. <laughs> I'm <laughs> <am> overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm tired of this. Yeah. No, I don't think you have to explain. You just, so sorry. Got to bounce. Got to slip out. Bye. And then we're good. Yeah. I think no problem at all. And then afterwards, I think it's nice to send a thank you note. I think that rule still applies, right? Absolutely. And I mean, I'll never say no to a handwritten note sent through the mail, but it feels like for a Zoom party, the casualness of that, I think you could probably send an email or a text. I think that's probably fine. Yeah, I think however you were invited, you respond to that. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, whatever method with which you receive the invitation, you could send the thank you note. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. That feels like that matches the same level of formality. And finally, not an etiquette thing, but just some helpful hints from Tom Ford about how to look good on a Zoom call. Tell us. These are good tips, so uh, take notes. (laughs) One is you want to have the camera above your eye line. So you want to have it slightly above your head and you want to be looking up at it. This is the most flattering. Said another way, no one looks great shot from below. Yeah. (laughs) I have a lot of pictures to prove that. (laughs) Yeah. So as you may recall from an earlier episode, Leah was concerned about an audience member who took a picture of her from the audience (laughs) below her. And um, Leah was uh, emotionally destroyed by this photo. I actually showed Nick. You thought that that was above and beyond. That was an extra horrible photo. I I will say that photo is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's It's the face aging app. Without the app. I don't know how (laughs) we created a crepey skin. Anyway, (laughs) not to go further down that road, but when you're shot from above, it does look nicer. Do that. The second thing is lighting. Lighting is so crucial. So Tom suggests that you take a lamp of some sort, put it behind your laptop, behind the camera, and you put it slightly to one side, whatever your good side is. So if you have a good side, do you have a good side? I don't even know how to figure that out. I feel like yeah, these are I, things I, I people like, are supposed uh, to know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm so perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> that, uh, both are fine. But uh, if you have a strong preference, then you should put the lamp on your good side so it illuminates that and creates a slight shadow on the other side. Okay, good tip. And then the third thing is you want a bit of a bounce, a little bit of a fill below you. So you don't want to be like dark under the chin. And so Tom says, and I'm calling him Tom like I know. but That's you. Uh, Go go with that. Um, Mr. Ford says you should have a piece of paper below you or a white tablecloth. So there's a little bit of a reflective light coming up from below you. And then the fourth tip is just makeup. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Little powder um, goes a long way. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, that's Zoom. So hopefully everybody is going to have more fun, more on time, less stressful Zoom calls. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. 
What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives, then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person, very confident mm-hmm. woman, wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their washed linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you guys in the wilderness. Ow! Oh, gosh, that was uh, extended play. I wanted to keep going, but I cut it at the end. (laughs) Your restraint was noted. So our first question is, quote, is it rude to name your baby a weird name? I love the question that, is it rude? Is it rude? Yeah, I mean, what it sounds like is this is a concerned grandparent (laughs) who just had a grandchild with a name that they don't like. That's what this sort of feels like. I really like that read of the situation. Because, <laughs> like, I can't imagine it's a parent because they would have some control over their naming. And if it's a baby, they're not writing the letter to us yet. Right. But it's somebody who's very invested in the name of the child. So that's where I came up with grandparent. I really like your read of that situation. So I guess the first question for me is, like, what's weird? Yeah, I don't even know how we would figure that out. That's why I think... Blue Ivy? I think the answer is no, because... What does that mean, a weird name? According to whom? Yeah. I mean, I think there are names that are probably not super appropriate. Like obscenities, famous dictators. um, Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. You didn't go to elementary school with a Pol Pot? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Um, I mean, I did look into this a little further. There are restrictions in various jurisdictions about what you can name your child. In the United States, we're pretty easygoing about it. Like obscenities, I think, are generally not allowed on a birth certificate, but pretty much everything else, you know, you're good. In other places, in France, I was reading, somebody wanted to name their kid Nutella, and the government said no. No, that's trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) So now the kid is named Ella, which is cute. You're not allowed to name your kid Ikea in Sweden. Oh, wow. Sweden's really got the lockdown on that. They're like, no, Ikea's like, that's us. Yeah, like uh, we we own that one. No, (laughs) you can't have that. And then New Zealand apparently has a lot of restrictions. Like they 
apparently have said no to a lot of different baby names. Really? So, yeah. I don't know if this is like one thread I was going down online or if like New Zealand actually does restrict more baby names than anyone else. But I guess somebody wanted to name their kid J, letter J, because both the grandparents had J names and the government said no. So interesting. I mean, I just think in, in, you know, I have to like look at myself and I guess it's very, it's very American that we would be like, no, anybody can name their name, whatever they want. You know what I mean? That's if that's in my heart. So I think it's just because. Yeah. But also, I mean, at least in the United States, we have people from so many different places in the world that it's not unusual to be around people with names from different traditions or not traditions or just unusual names. Like, I mean, in my elementary school class, we had a Shanaka. We had a spirit. I think we actually had two spirits. We had a Kele. We had a Norbu. Um, So it's sort of like, yeah, this is not unusual, you know, to come across, you know, more than just Jennifer and Michael. Yeah, that's why I think it's the idea of what would be decided as weird is already. Yeah, it's a little loaded. I think you can name your kid whatever you want, as long as you made a thoughtful decision about it. Which I'm sure the parents did. Yeah. So if you've given it significant contemplation and you like it, uh, then okay, fine. So our next question is, quote, I'm writing fundraising letters at the moment. When addressing the letter to a male-female couple, as in Dear Chad and Lisa, does the man or woman's name come first? And then in same-sex couples, what's the proper way to address it? Can I just tell you what I wrote? Because I don't know Uh, the answer. (laughs) Okay. I wrote, because obviously I was going to throw this one over to you. Uh Uh, But I wrote, I always put the person who I like least in the couple's name first so they never know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm absolutely kidding. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh-huh. do that. Now, every friend that you have that's ever received a note from you is now going to look to see in what order their name appears. It's funny because I was thinking about this and there are certain people in my life, you know, relatives I always send cards to and then friends in my life where I know both the people. And I just, in my mind, their names make sense in a certain order, but none of them have any rhyme or reason. Yeah. I mean, some couples like to refer to themselves in a certain order. So you think of them in that way. Or they sign their cards in when I get their cards, they're always signed that way. So then I just flip it up to the top when I write back. Yeah. I mean, I think the answer to this question is when you're using first names, it doesn't matter. I love that. I love that answer. No. And it's really true. Like even Emily Post, she'll agree with me on this when it's first names. Now, Miss Manners would say that the woman's name would come first when you're using first names. So you could do that, but you have my permission. Either name is fine. Have at it. I think that's nice. Now, if you're using either Mr. Name, Mrs. I think either name is nice is what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, if you're using Mr. And Mrs. and you're using titles, then there's different rules that do apply. That's not what this question is. This is just first names. So when it's first names, just go with the whatever you want. Great. Our next question is, quote, Usually, with a group of friends or coworkers, we take turns making a coffee run for the group. Whoever is making the run will ask everyone for their coffee order and bring it back. Sometimes the person going on the run will pay for everyone's order. Sometimes we pay for our own, depending on the situation. If given a choice, I prefer my coffee a specific way. Iced coffee with a shot of espresso, one pump of sugar-free vanilla syrup, and a splash of almond milk. I don't think that my order is super complicated, but most people in the group order something more simple, like black coffee or something along those lines. My question is, should I change my coffee order to something more simple, like a black coffee? 
I don't dislike coffee that is prepared differently, but it's not how I prefer it. It's not a problem when I volunteer to make the run, but since we take turns, that's not always an option. So. 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 How do you take your coffee, Leah? I've always make it for you black, but I don't actually know if that's how you like it. I actually do this. When other people ask me for coffee, I make it as simple as, and that just makes me comfortable. But then when I get my own coffee, I always get. um, Well, sure. Get whatever you want. But I definitely immediately make it simpler. So my first thought is that you got to put whatever you want in writing. So you got to make it very easy on them. So a post-it note, text them your order, like whatever it is that you want needs to be in writing. And it needs to be in the exact way that the store that they're going to does it. So like Starbucks has a very specific way that orders are presented to them. Right. You know, it's always hot or cold. And then it's the size And then it's like the beverage and then modifications. I think that's how that goes. So like iced, venti, non-fat, double shot latte. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever it is, but it needs to be in whatever order that is. And it needs to be written in a way that there's no further questions from the barista. So it needs to be said exactly what the order is. And so that you could just say the words and then they get the order and we're good. The way our letter writer wrote this, I actually had two follow-up questions about it. I have questions about the money part. Oh, put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. Okay. But when he wrote this order, my first question was, just to clarify, he wants an iced coffee with the addition of a shot of espresso in the iced coffee. I think that's what he wants. But it left it a little ambiguous in my mind. Does he want iced coffee made with a shot of espresso? Like, is it really iced espresso? Oh. I'm, I don't think that's what he meant, but it just left a moment of doubt in my mind, which that's I wanted so him to That's so deep into the coffee world. I would never know. And then the second question was, well, is this a double shot or a single shot? You know, what are we going to do? I so mean, I think we, it we needs came to, be... to this question so differently. <laughs> <laughs> so I want that level of clarification. And then what you need to tell the person making the coffee run is, if there is some reason why the exact order cannot be done, we don't have vanilla syrup, we're out of almond milk, whatever it is, then a backup option, which is black coffee is fine. Right. Medium. Thank you. So you just binary choice. Don't give them a decision tree, which is, well, if they don't have vanilla syrup, then I want almond syrup. Or if they don't have almond milk, then I want oat milk. And if they don't have oat milk, then I'll do nonfat milk. Like no decision trees. It's just either they have this one complicated thing or this simple thing. Now, how did you come at this question? Oh, well, I mean, I agree with... I think we got to the same place. Okay. How did you arrive there? What was your journey? I am more than happy to get whatever anybody wants if I'm the person making the coffee run. Okay. So if they have a complicated drink, and exactly, I want it written down so I can just read it to the person. Right. So I have no responsibility of remembering it in any kind of order. And then if they don't right. have that, I need a backup that's easy. Yes. Okay. So we're totally the same page. Totally the same. Now, what do you want to talk about the money part? Oh, I just, I felt there was a part of the question where there's a, sometimes we pay, sometimes we don't pay. Well, if your drink is much more complicated, more expensive than other people's. Yes. Yeah. And also this money thing was sort of thrown in the middle of this question, sort of slipped in. Yeah. Which makes me feel like there's more to be said about this money thing. It's not just about complicated orders and is that okay? But is it okay to make other people pay for your more expensive coffee? Yeah, if everybody's everyone else is a, doing yeah, black coffee, coffee. Then you right. I think that you should offer to pay if you're having this. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You should absolutely pay for the more expensive extra pump of sugar-free vanilla syrup splash of almond milk coffee that you're getting when everyone else is getting 
a small black coffee. But I mean, I understand when you have a certain thing in your mind, you're like, that's really what I want. And I think then you write it down and then also, you know, give up the extra cash for it. Yeah, exactly. So what we want from you are your questions. Absolutely. Please write them down and send them to us and then we will fulfill your orders. So you can send them to us through our (laughs) website. Were you raised by wolves? You like that? I love it. Were you raised by wolves.com? Or you can give us a call, 267-CALL-RBW, and we would be delighted to answer them. Delighted. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm loving being part of the Book of the Month because I often stay within the genres I already know or the particular authors I already know. And they're introducing me to new authors, things I might not have known about. It's so exciting. So Leah, tell me about what book is coming. I'm receiving in the mail very soon, The Return of Ellie Black. Where did she go? We don't know. She disappeared for years earlier and then resurfaces in the woods of Washington State. And I can't (laughs) wait to know more. If it's a story set in the woods, you're there. It's really true. I want I want a cozy town or a woods. Or both. Or also take a city. You know, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, as long <laughs> as there's murder or suspense, you're there. I like if there's some food. So you out there, you can get your first book for just $5 using promo code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com, use promo code PEDALS, and get your first book for just $5. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by... Book of the month. I am loving getting to pick my books of the months. Is that what the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. (laughs) You know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette thing that's happened to us, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah, would you like to vent or repent? Oh, I am gonna vent! Okay. (laughs) What etiquette crime has been committed against you? Okay. Oh, okay. I'm gonna buckle up. Yeah, buckle up. I, (laughs) not to be ungracious which you know that's immediately followed by something very ungracious. Uh-huh. I So just for, you know, we're in the middle of a, a thing going on in the world. And yeah, it's a moment. I'm a, it's a moment. And, yeah. you know, I live in Queens. One might argue the epicenter of the epicenter. And uh, my entire career is based on performing in front of large groups of people. So it's okay. a transitional period in my life. Okay. And then what really grinds my gears is that <laughs> I try to post like little happy things that are just to kind of keep my mood elevated and like happy things, you know, on my Instagram, multiple people who know me well enough to know that where I live and with like something benign, like I put a picture of a dog in an outfit and somebody <laughs> responded to me, I hate those kind of dogs. <gasps> 
You're just trying to have a nice thing. I'm just trying to have a nice thing. And it's happened with multiple people on multiple very innocuous things. I'll post a TV show. This was like a light thing. And then people write, I hate that show. And it's just, that's the whole message. No, like, how are you? Or, you know, here's a show I like. Just to let me know that this thing that I posted on my story, just they needed to let me know how much they hate it. Wow. And I just... I don't understand why you took the effort to hate a dog in pajamas. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not out there on a beach in a sailboat. You know what I mean? I'm I'm in a. This is the content I got, people. This This is 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 the social media content I have on offer. (laughs) So please enjoy it. Just try to be light and funny. I don't know why you need to be so angry at something. I hate that TV show. Okay, maybe don't write that. Yeah. That's rude. Yeah, that is definitely rude. And I don't I mean, know I what, what to people, say back. I want to be like, what's wrong with you? I think the problem is people who leave notes on social media like that are doing it in a way that they would never do in real life. Like if you were at a cocktail party and on your phone, you're like, look at this fun dog with pajamas. <laughs> that person, if you were standing next to them, would never be like, well, I hate that dog. No, <laughs> they would have manners and they would be like, that's adorable. Even if they didn't think it. Somehow the social media thing gives people the feeling of license to be rude. Uh, So I think your response should not to return rudeness with rudeness, but to ignore it. Oh, I've ignored it, but I want to be like, I'm just trying to be happy over here. Yeah. You're like 30 seconds from uh, pushing me over the edge. That's what I want to say. (laughs) Yeah. But I think what you should do is note who those people are. Oh, it's noted. And uh, note uh, whether or not you want to... (laughs) Continue knowing them. Yeah, for sure. So for me, I would also like to vent. Oh. And so this I find just confusing. I think I'm mostly confused. And here's what's happening. I live in a building uh, in New York City. Uh, It's a fairly large building, and there's about 10 different apartments on the floor. And there's a, a new person that moved in down the hall. And for whatever reason, she has decided... That her bags of garbage. Oh, no. She leaves them outside of her front door in the hallway. Mm-mm. Now, in my building, large building, 20 stories, we have a garbage chute. <gasps> Amazing. And I got my tape measure out. And I measured the length <laughs> from her front door to the door to the stairway where there's the garbage chute. 64 feet. There's exactly 64 feet that she would need to walk with a bag of garbage from her door to her apartment to the garbage chute. So I do not understand why she has not taken the garbage all the way out. Like she's making an effort to bag it up and like have it exit the apartment. So just go the distance. Go all the way. Complete the task. Why was stopping in the middle? What's going on? What's happening? And so it's an etiquette issue because it's like, I don't know her really at all. I've like probably seen her twice, you know, since she moved in, you know, five months ago. Uh, I don't know her name. And it doesn't rise to the level of like reporting her to management. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to leave like a passive aggressive post-it note on her door. Like, please take your garbage out. But it's just, what is happening here? Like, why are we doing this? What is that about? Yeah. And it's not like it's super smelly garbage. Or super leaky garbage or like emergency garbage. It's just like normal garbage. And it's like there for maybe eight hours. Like eventually she does, I guess, or maybe the building comes around and takes it. Eventually it does disappear. But all day there's a bag of garbage in front of her door. So annoying. So that's my vent. I don't like it. 
<laughs> I love that you measured it. Honestly, that 64 feet. Well, I just wanted to see. Maybe it's too far for the average person. I thought, you know, maybe it's 100 feet. That's that's too far. Okay. Give three me a pass. digits. If it's three digits, Nick yeah. was going to give you a pass. But, you know, if it's uh, under the length of an Olympic pool, I feel like you can walk it. Yeah. And also, you have a garbage chute. Yeah. I mean, it's luxury over here. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't have my microwave and air conditioner on at the same time for blowing a fuse, but we do have garbage chutes. Nobody can. That's that's across <laughs> the city. We have to unplug everything when the air conditioner yes. comes on. <laughs> Leah, what have we learned? I learned, I was going to say Cumberbund, <laughs> but I also learned the history of it. Of the what? Of the Cumberbund. And Let's say it again. <laughs> Make sure we really nailed it. Well, I'm going to have to write it down and look at it because that's how I remember. Cumberbund. Cumberbund. No, no. Cumberbund. Cumberbund. No, no. Cumberbund. <laughs> <laughs> Cummerbund. Cummerbund. Oh, gosh. I apologize for making that very patronizing, but you just weren't getting it. <laughs> I, I think we all know that you're patronizing. <laughs> and I learned. But I wasn't finished be... what I learned. <laughs> okay. I well, love that you did the whole history of it. Yeah. And then I learned that people were covering up utilitarian qualities of their suits. Yeah. Cover up the working parts. That's so interesting. And I learned uh, that I'm patronizing, so that's news. (laughs) I was kidding. Stop it. No, it's not news either. (laughs) And I also learned that uh, if you're posting a puppy in pajamas, you're just trying to have a good time. You're just trying to have a good time. No comment needed. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the dog in pajamas. Or don't look at it. Or don't look at it. Well, thank you, Leah. Well, thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery. And I would. And he would. And he does. And so for your homework this week, I have some tasks for you. I want you to tell a couple friends about us. I want you to sign up for our newsletter. And I want you to visit our website. That's all. Very low effort. I want you to do these things. You that got doesn't time. even sound like bad homework. That sounds like fun stuff. These are all fun things. Yes. So please do those things. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness. The part of our show where Leah makes us say nice things and I only give her 30 seconds to do so. Ready? Set. Go. I've been so excited for this. The month where we went inside, I had some people out of the city who reached out to me, surprised me. They sent me like care packages. I had a friend order a meal. It showed up Mm. at the house. I had another friend send a wonderful gift basket from a terrific food place. And it just, it it made us feel so taken care of and not alone. And it really carried my spirits through the beginning of this. And it meant the world to me. The world to me. And I would like to acknowledge all the people who wanted to bring back the howl. And let me just play a voicemail that we got because it encapsulates the entire moment. So here it is. Hi, Nick and Leah. This is Michael. I just wanted to call and ask you to please bring back the howl. My favorite thing is to howl along with Leah when she does it. And I would really love having another wolf in my pack. Ow! So... As you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I made some offhanded joke like, oh, gosh, you know, the howl's gone. You know, we should have a hashtag bring back the howl. Mm-hmm. 
the amount of people that reached out that demand the howl was overwhelming. I was not prepared for it. We got voicemails like that one from Michael. Which I'm glowing. I'm glowing right now. (laughs) So it was really touching that people like the show enough and like quirky things about it, like Leah howling all the time, that (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, you guys were inspired to take the time to write in about it. And so I really was touched by that. So thank you. Thank um, you. I feel like I got a double one because I'm still, that's also overwhelmingly kind. I feel so nice about that. Yeah. So people love the howl, Leah. So let's have one more. Oh! Thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So, Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting. New season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So, Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. 